Hello and welcome to the sixth and final episode of this series of As Yet Unexplained. In tonight's episode, we will be looking at the mysterious visitors that descended on the quiet farmhouse in Kelly, Kentucky. If you like what you hear, please consider liking, subscribing, or even writing a review on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. As always, we like to remind the listener that within this podcast are unsettling descriptions, and you should be cautious if you find such things distressing. Also, with every story there are victims, so please spare a thought for those who have suffered. Before the storm. The weather on August the 21st, 1955 had been hot, perhaps slightly hotter than usual in the western Kentucky farming community of Kelly. Within a rural farmhouse found between the towns of Kelly and Hopkinsville in Christian County, Kentucky, there was a total of 11 people in the home that night. 50-year-old widow and matriarch Glennie Langford, her three children from her recent marriage, Lonnie, aged 12, Carlton, aged 10, and the seven-year-old Mary. Mrs. Langford's older sons from her first marriage, Lucky Sutton, aged 25, and 21-year-old John Charlie, along with their wives Vera and Eileen. Also visiting the home on that night was Eileen Sutton's brother, Opie Baker, and Lucky's friends Billy Ray and June Taylor, who had driven down from Pennsylvania. It was approximately 7 o'clock p.m. when Glennie stated that they had run out of water. Billy Ray was the first to volunteer to trudge through the back of the property to bring more water. He strolled the quick distance to the farm's well pump to fetch a bucket of water, as the residents had no indoor plumbing. Back at the farmhouse, everybody became startled some moments later when the frightened figure of Billy Ray again walked into the residence and said that he'd witnessed a spherical metal object in the skies above glinting. The object was on a descending arc, 
and left a multicolored trail like a comet or meteor. The craft had no wings or discernible propulsion capabilities, and it made no sound as it continued to descend. It disappeared behind a bank of distant trees that were situated approximately half a mile distant. As it vanished from sight, Billy Ray heard the distinctive thud of what sounded like a craft smashing into the ground. The general reaction to Billy Ray's statement was to laugh unbelievably. Miss Lankford and June tried to reassure Billy Ray by telling him that he had simply seen a shooting star and that he should pay it no mind. Sunset had occurred at around 8 o'clock p.m. that night and Mrs. Lankford's dog who was out the front of the farmhouse, started barking at something that it perceived to be in the shadows of the night. Lucky, John Charlie and Billy Ray decided to investigate what had got the dog so riled up. They looked out into the yard while the dog decided to dash back towards the house and it hid beneath the construction. The canine was scared and terrified and stayed under the home until the next day. The Visitors When they turned to enter the home, their attention was drawn to the eerie sound of branches snapping in the distance. They saw a faint light that seemed to be at ground level. As they stood there watching, this unfamiliar light get slowly closer. They decided that it was not a flashlight beam or some kind of electrical or oil-fueled lantern. The light was now estimated to be 20 feet away from them. The three of them stared unbelievingly at the shape that now began to emerge from the tree line. A glowing figure appeared from behind a tree. Miss Lankford and her adult son later recounted the being as being a small man about three foot tall with short, withered legs and long, slender arms and disproportionately large hands. The head of the being sported huge, saucer-like eyes that glowed a yellow hue on either side of its head. The witnesses also stated that the creature had what looked like large, bat-like ears that were pointed. The creature appeared to be both shuffling along the ground and floating in a bouncing-like motion. The being crossed the yard and approached the farm. It appeared to be clad in a hard metal suit which shone with a silvery or silver-green energy. It was this that the witnesses observed as the light. The two men panicked 
as the thing awkwardly raised its long arms in a strange, unknowable gesture and fled back inside the farmhouse. Glennie was sitting in the living room with the other family and friends. She hurriedly ran down the hallway after hearing the two men rush in and ask for an explanation as to what was going on. Glennie didn't believe a word of what she was told, still believing it to be part of Billy Ray's UFO practical joke from earlier. Glennie did not want them to scare the children within the home and sent the children off to bed as to shield them from the undesired effects of Billy Ray's humour. Lucky fetched a 20-gauge shotgun and a 22 caliber starter pistol for Billy Ray. This weapon belonged to Miss Langford and was used for dealing with the occasional pest. Glennie still believed that this whole situation was still a joke. But that thought ended when she saw the little figure standing at the back of the house. Billy Ray and Lucky had loaded their weapons and when the creature approached Miss Langford, she screamed. Billy Ray and Lucky immediately aimed and fired. The being was eight to ten yards away as the pair fired and the bullets pierced the netting of the screen door. The pair of them were certain that their bullets had hit the creature full on but it performed a backflip out of the way of the ammunition and accelerated away from the farmhouse at such a speed that it looked like it flew away unharmed. Encouraged by the monster's retreat, Billy Ray went out to the back porch to see if he could find the creature, when suddenly a slender alien hand with long claws came straight down from the porch roof and grabbed Billy Ray's hair. Glennie, who had also came rushing into the back of the farmhouse, was standing behind him. She shoved him back into the house, away from the creature on the roof's grasp. Lucky passed his friend and went out, pointed his weapon at where the alien hand had appeared, and a flurry of gunfire rang out. The second creature fell from the roof with the same metallic crash as the first. It rolled on the ground and ran back into the forest. When everyone was back inside, John Charlie retrieved his 20-gauge shotgun and decided to stand side by side with Billy Ray and Lucky. Billy Ray believed that these creatures that evidently were immune to bullets were in some way connected to the strange craft that he had witnessed earlier crashing behind the tree line. Billy Ray's thoughts were interrupted by the ear-piercing scream that seemed to emanate from the children's bedroom. The youngsters came spilling out of the room and swarmed into the hallway. Between screams, cries and utter fear, 
the children stated that they had seen a hideous strange face with big luminescent eyes looking at them through their bedroom window. Lucky asked Glennie to take the children to a room at the back of the farmhouse and invited John Charlie to accompany them and protect them from any of the curious creatures. As before, another scream was heard ripping through the baited silence. One of the alien faces had suddenly appeared in the back room window where the children were currently waiting. The blood-curdling screams were followed by another volley of gunshots and shattering glass. John Charlie emptied his 20-gauge again into the body of one of the creatures. As before, the unknown goblin-esque entity bounced unharmed out of sight. Lucky took aim at the entity and shot it. Instead of falling and presumably dying, the creature appeared to float to the ground and then ran off. Other creatures moved amongst the yard, and Lucky continued to fire at them. The bullets hit something, and as they found their targets, a metallic sound which Billy Ray later described as being like a handful of bullets rattling around a bucket could be heard. As trying to shoot them was proving to be very ineffective, the men went back inside the farmhouse to plan and regroup. It was noted by Glennie that the creatures so far had not attempted to harm them, but in the intensity of the situation, this remark went unnoticed by the occupants of the farmhouse. For the next two hours, everyone within this basic dwelling was terrified of these unearthly little creatures that seemed to come from nowhere. As they waited in fear, they could hear the roof being scratched, and still, regardless of the earlier shootouts, the tiny visitors would appear at the windows. Members of the family would state that they observed the goblins roaming the yard, squatting and sitting in the trees, close to the house. It appeared that the entities had an interest in the children of the home, and although they never actually tried to get in, they would be shot if they got a little too close. According to their estimates, there could have been three or four of these strange creatures at any given time. The adults quickly turned on all the lights in the house when it was discovered that whenever a creature appeared at the window and a bright light was shone at them, they seemed to reel away. The occasional scratching and sobs of fear from the children finally encouraged the occupants to gather together and, using two trucks parked a short distance from the front of the property, they drove to the sheriff's office. The Police Investigation At first, the sergeant didn't know what to make of the fantastical story 
that had just been relayed to him. So naturally, he thought it was some kind of joke. However, his code of conduct dictated that he should take the matter seriously, and he was slightly disturbed that the situation might have been a gunfight amongst the locals. The desk sergeant immediately arranged for police officers to be dispatched. Four city police officers, five state troopers, sheriff's deputies and a group of military police from nearby Fort Campbell arrived at the Sutton Farm. What the officers first established was that there was a significant amount of property damage within the farmhouse, which consisted of bullet holes in screen doors, bullets found in door frames, window sills and scattered items throughout the house in the form of various shell cases. It was evident that something important had happened, but a close examination of the property revealed little evidence to corroborate the story that had been told by the occupants. The military used their flashlights as they walked the farm looking for signs of intrusion or shooting. No signs of landing or spacecraft were seen, and little information was available to confirm Miss Lankford's statement. A police officer did make a discovery of some note, and that was something was glowing in a tree in the distance. But a police search of the area yielded no results. Another observation made by an officer was that of a strange stain that was present in the yard of the farmhouse. It was said that this stain was the result of one of the creatures being hit by gunfire. The stain was more of a sheen like oil on water, and it could only be viewed at certain angles. Officers tried to collect a sample, but unfortunately could not collect any of the material. Back at the station, the family was questioned in detail. Back then, and every time the group was subsequently asked, they all gave consistently the same accounts of the night's events. All their descriptions and accounts of the strange silvery entities besieging their home matched. Neighbours would eventually confirm aspects of the family's tale. They would tell of seeing a strange light in the forest, and it was suggested at the time that the light could have been the Suttons looking for one of their pigs that was prone to escaping its enclosure. It was noted at the time that the area was a hunting ground for a bobcat, and that the light in the woods could have been the Suttons trying to drive off the bobcat and lead it away from their farm using their guns, which the witnesses clearly heard. After hours of investigating the farm, the farmhouse and the surrounding woodland area, the tired officers felt they had done their best and left the scene. Later that night. In the early hours of the 22nd of August, police and the military had decided that the matter was closed as they could not find any concrete evidence 
and they therefore closed the case. The small group returned to the farmhouse, but Miss Lankford, her family and guests were still in deep agitation. They all struggled to sleep, and at around 3.30am, Miss Lankford woke up and to her horror, once again, she was greeted by the visage of one of the creatures looking at her through the bedroom window. She screamed. Lucky was dozing in the fully lit living room on the sofa, just as before. Lucky armed himself, but not a single bullet was fired. It appeared that as the sun rose, these creatures, whatever they were, slunk back to where they had come from. The family and friends once again took to their trucks and left the farmhouse. Neighbours told officers that the family had packed up and left. The creatures had returned at about 3.30 in the morning. The next few days. The next day, neighbours were intrigued by the rumours that had been circulating around the city, and they gathered at the Sutton's estate, only to find out that no one was home. That same morning, two officers returned to the site for a second broad day search, after which reporters, UFO investigators, fanatics and people who were simply curious began descending on the farm. U.S. Air Force officials also arrived to investigate on behalf of Project Blue Book. In the months that followed, local as well as national publications, radio and television channels all wanted to interview the now famous Sutton family and their friends. At first, the Suttons started to make appearances, but when the real agenda behind some of these new interests appeared, it became clear that they were being seen cynically and their story was being ridiculed. When asked by the media, the family and friends started refusing to comment further on any aspects of their encounter. However, there was a few investigators that managed to successfully talk to the witnesses and they have all commented on how their stories have remained unaltered and remarkably similar. Glennie Langford and her family left their home after a few months. This was due to the constant harassment by the media and investigators. The family were also inundated with unwanted calls, but the biggest reason for their departure from their home was the fact that they were constantly living with the fear that whatever these creatures may be, one day they could possibly return. And no member of the family wanted to live through that again. Possible Explanations One of the many explanations that have done the rounds to explain the entities is the rather unlikely reasoning that they were in fact misidentified big horned owls. This statement is often accompanied by the often stated belief that certain members of the household were in fact drinking 
and could have well been intoxicated during the alien attack, and therefore made misidentification the more likely explanation. The big horned owl hypothesis likes to say that the owl is nocturnal, quietly flies and has yellow eyes, and it aggressively defends its nest, characteristics similar to the described movements of the entities. It is alleged that the creature floated through the trees, which many have attributed to the flying owl theory. But how does the reported sound of bullets hitting the creatures, like a bullet hitting a metal bucket, fit into the whole equation? Investigation by police an Air Force officer at nearby Fort Campbell, and civilian ufologists have found no evidence of deception, but certain theorists on this case have also stated that this is anecdotal, as there is no supporting evidence to this claim. One major point of interest with this hypothesis is the fact that horned owls aren't bulletproof, and don't rattle like cans when shot at. Skeptics often state that the Suttons and Associates rigged the whole case for financial gain, whilst under the influence of the aforementioned alcohol. Although we cannot prove that the Suttons or their guests drank that evening, it would take a special set of circumstances that would make the occupants of the farmhouse decide to destroy parts of the living room for some form of prank or financial gain. Yes, it is true that the family were poor, but apart from charging a few of the independent UFO investigators an entrance fee, they never capitalised on the encounter. The entrance fee was always readily admitted to by the Suttons, and they said that it was a way to scare away unwanted visitors. Over the years, many family, friends, acquaintances and neighbours have endorsed the Sutton's strange, otherworldly tale. Unfortunately, as is the case with many UFO and alien encounters at the time, the United States Air Force Project Blue Book looked at the case and branded it as fraudulent without any further investigation into the matter. So that's the end of another series of As Yet Unexplained. Links to our social media and email address are in our bio. And please feel free to get in touch, tell us how we are doing, and even suggest future episodes that we can cover. Thanks for listening.
If you are listening to this message, then the subliminal frequency has successfully calibrated to your mind. Do not be alarmed. I am here to advise you to explore the Occultaria of Albion. The Occultaria of Albion is both a written series as well as a podcast. It explores various locations where paranormal and supernatural events have occurred. It is a broadcast on a forgotten frequency. Hauntings, time slips, cryptids, cults and more are investigated and examined. Enter a world designed by torch and moonlight. Go to occultariaofalbion.com or search Occultaria of Albion wherever you find your favourite podcasts. End transmission.